0: Okay, and the hearing is now being recorded. Good morning.
1: This is a public hearing regarding proposed regulations implementing the use of 100% renewable electricity required for on-site electricity demands in non-residential buildings of 50,000 square feet or more ordinance. The date is Wednesday, October 26th. The time is 9:03 a.m. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect department staff and
0: members of the public. Public hearing virtual, virtual. Notice. Notice. please note that the ringing of cell phones, pagers and similar devices can still happen virtually and is still prohibited.
1: Please ensure your devices are silenced. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Each speaker will be allowed 3 minutes to speak. Opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone by calling 1-415-655-0001 and entering access code 24965859227. When connected, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down any other devices. Alternatively, you may submit public comment by email to the Department's Commission Affairs Officer at environment at sfgov.org. Comments submitted by email will be posted on the Department website and will be included as a part of the official hearing file. My name is Kyle Wainer, Commission Affairs Officer at the San Francisco Environment Department. I am joined this morning by Cindy Comerford, Climate Program Manager, and Barry Hooper, Senior Green Building Coordinator at the
0: Environment Department. And with that, we can proceed to item two, presentation on the proposed regulation regulation
1: uh, presentation on the proposed regulation to implement the use of 100% renewable electricity required for on site electricity demands in non residential buildings of 50,000 square feet or more ordinance. The speaker is Barry Cooper, Senior Green Building Coordinator, San Francisco Environment Department. The explanatory document is the draft regulations implementing the use of 100% renewable electricity required for on site electricity demands in non residential buildings of 50,000 square feet or more ordinance. Uh, before we turn it over to Barry, uh, Cindy is going to provide a brief introduction. So, Cindy, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you, Kyle. Good morning, everyone. Again, my name is Cindy Comerford. I'm the climate program manager at the Department of Environment. Um, Today, we're here for a public hearing on the 100% uh, renewable electricity for large commercial buildings. I will not say the long regulatory uh, name of the ordinance again, Um, and we're really excited to um, present to you the final draft of our rules and regulations. We've been working on this um, with stakeholders over the last 9 months. And this ordinance is really about the city um, addressing climate change, Um, and we have set uh, net zero goals for the city by 2040 and for all large commercial buildings to be carbon free by 2035. So, this ordinance is a really important um, element to hitting those goals and we would just want to thank all of our stakeholders for the participation in developing the ordinance and the rules and regulations. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to my colleague. Barry Hooper.
3: All right, thank you, Cindy, and I apologize if there's a little bit of background noise. Uh, my. Mic with noise cancellation was, uh, incompatible with the presentation mode of Webex. So my colleague Kyle is going to, um. Uh, bring up the slides and then, uh, since I'm, you might notice I'm speaking to you from a phone. I will also be asking you to advance the slides. Um. So, the ordinance that we're talking about today, the 100%, which will for short refer to is the 100% renewable electricity for commercial buildings ordinance. Uh, next slide was adopted in 2019 next slide. <clears throat> and it, um, it is applicable to all non residential occupancies. Uh, all common non residential occupancies, excuse me, uh, including, of course, office, retail and hotel. Um, that where the building is 50,000 square feet or greater. And there's at least 10,000 square feet or more of interior space that is heated or cooled next slide. The ordinance has 3 fundamental requirements that all electricity uses in the affected buildings must be generated from greenhouse gas free or renewable sources. The ordinance is applicable just to large commercial buildings and phases in based on gross floor area. We'll go into the details. And then the compliance process, uh, the most fundamental aspect is very straightforward. You subscribe to a qualifying product, such as Clean Power SF Super Green, uh, PG&E's Solar Choice, SFPUC's Hachachi Power, or if you're a direct access customer, enter into a qualifying agreement with your direct access provider. On site renewable energy is encouraged but not required. Next slide. So it's important to go into what exactly is defined as renewable energy or greenhouse gas free energy in the ordinance. The ordinance does not invent terms, <laughs> invent uh, regulatory language to explain this. Rather, it references existing definitions in California regulations. And we provided a handy translation here in this um, table. Uh, so the first category of regulation referenced in the ordinance recognizes that a uh, public utility with an extraordinary amount of hydroelectric such as Hachechi Power is uh, operated, can be operating with very very low emissions and in the case of Hachechi Power they exclusively source electricity from solar and hydroelectric and so that is a recognized source and then the next uh, category is the combination of two regulations and we'll talk about what they mean but that includes Everyone else so community choice, aggregator investor and utility and direct access provider, any party that can uh, legally supply electricity in California. Next slide. Um, as I mentioned, onsite generation is not required. It certainly is consistent with the definition of the ordinance, though, uh, and battery storage does not affect compliance. There is an exception in the ordinance for existing long-term energy contracts are executed prior to 2019, December 31st, 2019, and the ordinance only applies to electricity, so it does not affect gas or steam. Next slide. There are three phases. The first phase is coming up at the end of this year, Uh, so buildings that are greater than 500,000 square feet, there's approximately 63 of them in the city, Uh, that are affected by this ordinance, um, must enroll, uh, in 100% renewable electricity products for all meters serving the building by the end of this calendar year and the 1st time that they'll have a reporting requirement would be. Uh, April 2024, so uh, 1 full year will expire and then they'll report on their consumption in the year 2023 Uh, next slide please. The ordinance does apply to all electricity uses in the building. That does include situations where tenants have separate meters and separate electric service with the utility. Next slide. And so that leads us to the details that were left to regulation. Next slide. Um, the ordinance, sorry, the regulation introduces 3 new terms, the annual statement of sources of electricity. That's an annual report. Uh, and demonstrating compliance with the ordinance that is supplied by the owner to the Department of Environment, uh, the term direct access provider is defined, and also load serving entity, essentially any entity allowed to under California law to um, <clears throat> directly sell electricity to uh, customers. Next slide. Renewable energy can be obtained, it, the mechanisms by which renewable energy can be obtained are defined in the elaborated on, excuse me, in the regulation uh, for a little bit easier reading than the ordinance itself. Um, and they boil down to, uh, we recognize that utilities, community choice aggregators, direct access, and renewable on-site generation uh, are valid ways of obtaining electricity. When the Power is sourced, it must be connected to the California grid that translates to uh, PCC1 or PCC2 uh, renewable energy resources under California regulation. Temporary backup power and cogeneration installed before, sorry, leased or purchased before the uh, ordinance uh, was adopted and it went into effect in December 31st, 2019 are excluded. Next slide. Uh, The major qualifying products include um, options that where there is already public information, it's vetted by the California Energy Commission, Um, there's no need to duplicate that existing reporting. So the CEC's power content label uh, under their renewable portfolio standard uh, documentation process is acceptable, and that should be combined with ongoing marketing or public commitment uh, by the load serving entity indicating that that 100% 100% renewable or greenhouse-free attribute of the power is a attribute that's being sold in the current year. So the CEC power content label always, uh, refers to documentation of prior years and the public commitment uh, addresses the obligation of the load serving entity to, to meet their um, commitments to customers in the uh, performance year, the current year. In the case of direct access, contracts are uh, currently a private matter between the direct access provider and the customer and so there's a little more uh, detailed regulation there because you can't point to an existing publication Uh, but the resources must be pcc one or pcc two where the direct access provider is purchasing power for rps compliance that can contribute to the product sold here but only up to the amount of the RPS minimum. So, in other words, they can't assign the um, RPS resource just to their customers in San Francisco. Uh, this does need to be additional to RPS. The providers are obligated to provide an annual report to Department of Environment, uh, and we can request W Regis uh, documentation of REC retirement uh, if needed. Next slide. How to document compliance from the point of view of the owner? Excuse me. Um, the f- the principal means of documenting compliance will be the annual statement of sources of energy. This is intended to be collected uh, to the maximum extent possible alongside the annual benchmarking report, because the set of buildings that are subject to this 100% renewable requirement have also been required to annually uh, track and report. Uh, total energy consumption by fuel type under the Environment Code chapter 20 for a number of years. Um, the owner is required to notify tenants of their obligation to co- comply with this requirement if the tenant is separately metered with a utility meter. <clears throat> if the and in addition to accept the data from the tenants if they are in compliance. Uh, If the tenants are do not provide the owner that information, then the owner is obligated to provide the department environment with contact info to follow up with the tenants. But the owner is not subject to financial penalty if it's the tenants that are not in compliance. Next slide. Provided the tenants are separately metered. Um, For in terms of tenant documentation, again, the tenants, there's a section detailing tenants responsibilities. And that boils down to an obligation to comply with this ordinance and subscribe to a qualifying product. Provide data indicating compliance to the building owner, not directly to the department environment and in cases where the tenant assumes. Uh, overall management of the building in any respect, uh, and therefore the reporting is the owner and tenant an agreement where the reporting is delegated and responsibility tenant. Department of Environment is happy to receive the report from the tenant, Um, but it's one report for the entire building. Next slide, please. Um, In terms of verification, uh, if there's a uh, need for review, the Department of Environment has the authority uh, to request and review review uh, bills and similar documentation for up to two years after the report was due. And uh, in lieu of review directly by the Department of Environment staff, we also can accept review by a licensed uh, professional engineer, uh, such as some of the similar reviews that they may already do in the course of a uh, energy audit. Next slide. The penalties for noncompliance specified in the ordinance are the same as those penalties under Environment Code Chapter 20. And they accrue to the um, utility account holder that is not in compliance. Next slide. The ordinance recognizes that sometimes uh, a given program may be at capacity and therefore may run a waiting list, uh, for waiting for customers to um, to be able to provide the renewable resource needed. Um, the section about waiting list, though, goes into some detail about specific circumstances that can arise where. Um, uh, you're not currently enrolled in a qualifying program. And so 1 of the circumstances is a recognition that if you've applied for new electric service, so you're switching utilities as an example, if you're switching from PGE to H-H-E power, um, the. Initiation of that process is sufficient to. Um, attain compliance and the you you have time to complete that process before you're obligated to um, report on actually purchasing renewable power Um, in addition uh if you're on a waiting list with a different entity um that is sufficient for compliance only if there's no other option uh that's open for currently open for enrollment uh it This does, however, exclude situations where enrollment would require uh, expenditures such as physical improvements. And the reason there, the translation there is, if you're a a customer of one utility, would not be compelled to switch uh, utilities because there are um, capital investments that are necessary in most cases to make that that change. Um, And there's also the option for seeking relief If the cost of participation in a qualifying program is more than 5% greater than the corresponding rate schedule for PG&E's basic service. And that uh, cost comparison is um, based on existing publications that are regulated by the CPUC termed the joint rate comparison between PG&E and Clean Power SF. Next slide. So those are the fundamentals of the regulation uh, under consideration today. And appreciate your time, and happy to hear uh,
0: comments. Thank you, Barry. Was the audio okay? Yep. And I think with that, we can open it up to public comment. Just one moment. Okay, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the
1: speaker queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's
0: your turn to speak. And we'll just pause for a minute or so to give participants the time to join the speaker queue. We'll give folks just another 10 or 15 seconds or so to join the speaker queue. it looks like we do have one caller in the queue. Hello caller, you're unmuted, your three minutes begins now. Thank you, Uh, my name is David Harrison. I'm calling from the Building Owners
1: and Managers Association of San Francisco. Um, First and foremost, I wanna thank uh, Barry Hooper and and the Department of Environment for working with uh, stakeholders on this issue. Um, It was a a commemorable stakeholder engagement process Um, And we're happy to support these regulations today. Um, I do just want to echo. uh, We remain a little disappointed about the loss in choice programs uh, due to uh, the fact that the program waitlist is currently not set to open for several years. Um, So we we want to continue working on that. And we also urge um, for the program to meet the need of corporate
0: buyers with timely attestations for the retired supply. Thank you. Thank you for your comment we could just give folks another moment in case anyone else wants to provide public comment today. Okay, and seeing no further callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Okay, Barry, Cindy, was there anything else you wanted to add today? No. Thank no, you, no. Thank you, Kyle. Nothing further for me either. Thank you. And I think with that, we can proceed to our final item, which is
1: item three adjournment. The public hearing is adjourned. The time is
0: 924 AM. Thank you for joining us.